2: Would you stand with me as I read Hebrews 12, verses 12 through 17? So then, strengthen hands that are weak and knees that tremble. Cut through and make smooth straight paths for your feet that are safe and go in the right direction so that the leg which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. "...continually pursue peace with everyone and the sanctification without which no one will ever see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. And see to it that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal." For you know that later on he wanted to regain it, title to his inheritance of the blessing. And he was rejected. For he found no opportunity for repentance. There was no way to repair what he had done. No chance to recall the choice that he had made. Even though he sought it with bitter tears. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Again, bearing in mind... That This is a race metaphor. We have a picture of some of the participants in this race, specifically the Hebrew Christians, about to collapse with exhaustion. When running a marathon, training is essential, isn't it? You cannot move from an undisciplined life of self-indulgence to being a viable competitor in a marathon overnight, or at all in my case. A large part of that training is not just physical, it's mental. It's mental. Because our determination to endure gives way before the body does. You begin thinking about quitting. And then everything starts going, getting heavier and heavier and harder and harder to carry. Now you can take that example to almost anywhere. You can take it to your job, your marriage, or just life in general recognizing that to win you must be able to endure will cause you to prepare your mind and your body. Now, temporal metaphors break down eventually in spiritual application. Our training is the exercise of faith, a living faith that is active in the way that we live. It is a faith that is not based in our humanity, or our flesh, but a spiritual faith that receives and enters into the ongoing work of God in and around us. A faith that lives in the absolutes of God, the unchangeable will and love of God. It is affirmed by the word of God, communion and prayer, and the fellowship of the body. It's confirmed and affirmed in yielded obedience. That's the kind of faith we're talking about. So what is being described are hands that are giving way and knees that tremble because they are weak. Now, you know, when you run, motion is very important. It all has to be in sync. You've watched people that run with everything out of sync and it's cause for hilarity. But God has called you to run the race with everything in sync. That's why he doesn't want you distracted. When you get distracted by the flesh, by yourself, a lot of people are very conscious about how they look when they're running. You can tell by what they spend on their outfits, right? A lot of people are concerned about how other people see them running or whether, where they're running. They get very distracted by a number of things. But in reality... God doesn't want you distracted. He wants everything to be running in sync. And the arms are the first thing to go. The arms get heavy and start flipping around. You start doing different things. And then the knees. The knees are the next. But I will tell you the first thing to go is the way you're thinking. The way you're thinking. Now this is a present tense week. It's not becoming weak. They entered into the race. They were weak when they went in, and they have not grown or strength been strengthened so far in the race. They've been allowed to become weak because of an undisciplined life. This verse begins with therefore or so, which points back to the preceding subject. And they need to endure as Jesus endured to the end. This is not what would Jesus do. This is about how Jesus endured. Jesus did not endure in the strength of his humanity. It was not human resolve and discipline. Jesus endured how? By faith. By complete and unreserved reliance upon his father. Jesus did not begin the race at the height of his suffering, but at birth. Many of us think we begin at the height of suffering because that's the only place we're motivated to actually be a part of the race. As soon as his body had allowed him to be self-aware, Jesus began to grow in his ongoing faith and communion with the Father as a man. The race began for us when we became a new creation. When we entered into the new birth... We were afforded active participation in the plan of God. So, at whatever point you received Christ and became aware, you entered the race. The race called Christianity. And that race is designed to strengthen you. To strengthen your faith. To give you a sense, an affirmation of your participation in the plan of God. But if you entered into the race and you were taught legalism or you were taught license and you immediately translated your race into something temporal for something eternal, then you got sidetracked and you have not matured and you have not grown. And then comes the hard stuff and God allows things around you to start confronting you You got a failed marriage or a a job lost or sickness. And suddenly everything that you learned about Christianity isn't helping you at all. It's not working. Well, God must not have me in his plan. I must not be in the plan of God. I must have strayed off. No, you're in the plan of God. That's not an option to be out of the plan of God. That's not, a, that's not a variable for you. What's, an, what's optional is whether or not you'll participate in the plan of God. And there is no victory for the person in the plan of God who refuses to recognize that he cannot run in his flesh. There is only stumbling and falling and faltering and distraction and running from side to side, tripping yourself up and tripping everybody around you as you can or as God allows. This weakness did not just occur. It had been going on for a while. And these Hebrews, they're straining to participate, but eventually they're slowed to a comfortable jog or walk. Now they are beginning to try to run, and they're failing. And you see this going on. You see nominal Christianity around you. Oh yeah, they they look like they had it all going on, but really it was just... It was Christian popularity, Christian music, Christian, you know, all of these things. But now their world is upside down and you see them falling off. And they're calling out and they're crying and they're wanting God to come in and rescue them. Why? Did God leave? God's not going to rescue you from his plan. Do you ever think about that? He's not going to deliver you from his plan. What he is going to do is he's going to allow you to know him To whatever degree that plan, that place you're at, brings the revelation of Christ. He is going to allow you to experience it by faith. You know what that requires of us sometimes? Sometimes when everything seems like it's wrong, and you're wrong. Would that we could enter into it with a degree of self-righteousness, but usually I can't even claim that and everything seems wrong, and everything's off, and then at that point, you just feel, you start to panic, and we say, you know what, God, God, I missed you somehow. God, I need you. God, I, I need you to strengthen me, to carry me through this rough time. Footprints in the sand. Now, I appreciate what he's trying to say, but the bottom line is, God doesn't need to carry you. You have his life, Right? And if God is on and off again, picking you up and putting you down and picking you up and putting you down, how well is that working for you? God's not doing that. God gave you his life so that you could walk every moment with him, participate in everything with him. Look at verse 13. He says, The race began at the new birth. Verse 13 Cut through and make this path, make smooth, uh, straight paths for your feet that are safe. Go in the right direction so that the leg which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather may be healed. Now at this point, the Spirit of God is telling them that they cannot continue going their own way. You can't continue to run in the path the way you think you want to run. That is why they're failing. It is time for some changes in the way that they run. In the language of the metaphor, quit changing lanes... Quit running all over the place. Run straight in the path that God has prepared for you. Now notice these are choices. You determine to go straight in the right direction. You cannot do that according to the flesh. That's not something you can do. That is where you yield your direction unto the Lord and walk straight with Him. You cannot make a path straight according to the flesh. You cannot iron out the rough places according to the flesh. You can't make the path smooth according to the flesh. You are a spiritual person and you must run this race by the Spirit. Just as Jesus did nothing of himself, he made his way straight according to the will of God. We must do the same. This is not a message to inspire and energize the flesh of the Hebrews. That's not what the author's trying to do. It's to show them that they will never be able to participate according to the flesh. And haven't we learned that over and over again? That the path of God was made for spiritual feet. And the only way that we can run straight is if we run yielded to the Spirit of God. Because He's straight. And He made us to run straight. This is a spiritual race a spiritual race to a greater spiritual existence and a greater intimacy with the Creator Savior. So that leg which is lame could be referenced to a weaker brother or to the individual who's actually doing the running here. The truth is that your body will not endure. And if you continue to run according to the flesh, you're going to find yourself lame. Literally. You will sideline yourself. Or he could also be saying... That if you continue to run in that condition, you could be a factor that the enemy uses to trip somebody else up. Now, I want you to understand something, and preachers make a big, a lot of hay out of that. Make sure your life's straight so you don't lead your brother astray. And that's something we should do. Make sure that you walk in truth so that your brother is encouraged to do the same. That's absolutely correct. But I want you to know something. You're not God. And you don't make choices for your brother. But you do not want to carry the fear and the guilt of leading others astray. So walk in truth. Walk in truth. God may, you know, Paul makes a big deal out of this in Corinthians. God may give you a lot of liberty in a lot of different areas. But you know what? You are not everybody else. So to whatever degree he's given you liberty in the flesh which is what we're generally talking about keep it to yourself because it's flesh it's the liberty of the spirit that God wants you to to run with abandon in and encourage others to do the same verse 14 continually pursue peace with everyone and the sanctification without which nobody no one will ever see the lord now we're called to persevere in the pursuit of peace and he's writing Well, let me ask you, is he writing about peace and circumstance? Are you to pursue peace and circumstance? Is that what that's about? A temporal peace? No, it's not. He is talking about you bringing and being peace to the people around you. Did you know you could do that? If you are a new creation, you do that. Did Jesus ever enter into a room where he didn't bring peace? Did he? Now, we're not talking about emotional peace. We're talking about a spiritual peace that allows the soul to rest. You cannot create peace in others, but Jesus can. He can. They'll surrender their will to him. You are the aroma of Christ. You bring peace as you bring Christ. It will not always be possible for you to maintain peace with others, but you can always bring the peace of his presence. And that's what you do. Because you're going to enter into situations with people that are going to be hostile. And they could be hostile because of your past. They could be hostile just because they want to be. Or they can be hostile because of the presence of the Lord in you. Yeah, that's right. There are people that will be hostile just because they know Jesus is there. And they don't like him. But that's okay. That takes nothing away from you. Their hostility, their disruption, their anger, their out acting, their outward acting takes nothing away from you. The peace of God can stand on Golgotha. The peace of God can stand in a prison. The peace of God can stand while stones are pelting the body. The peace of God is not diminished by the outward actions of man or the attitude of man. Only you can surrender peace. You are to continually pursue peace. Which again is a choice. Right? Choose peace in your relationships. A peace that for your part is obedience. And the yielding of his life in your interactions. Now... You are also, at the same time, to pursue sanctification, which is hagiasmus, And it's an ongoing work. That is the work of consecration unto the Lord. It is living out the life of Christ. So what the author is writing about is pursuing peace that is a product of your sanctification. And allowing that peace to be so manifested so that you bring both yourself, both to yourself and to others, everyone you encounter, the peace of His presence. And Jesus is manifested. So He connects peace and righteousness. That's how you can know right up front He's not talking about emotions, He's not talking about circumstance, He's talking about a spiritual peace. And he says, continually pursue. You cannot have peace apart from righteousness. You can't. Now, this is not the righteousness that God gave you upon your new birth. This is the righteousness that is ongoing as God shapes you in this life. It is an ongoing work. So, as you begin to expand in all that he made you to be, you begin to express righteousness more and more. As you've learned the truth of his love for you, as you've learned the truth of his provision and his faithfulness, as you've walked in the confidence of what you've learned, you have literally shown righteousness and peace you've gained. So this is not a a one-time righteousness, this is an ongoing righteousness. And what does righteousness mean? Holiness, consecration. So what is he saying? He's saying that the more you walk in truth, the more you look like him. Does that make sense? The more you begin to show him, the more you begin to express him. So What the author is writing about is pursuing peace that is a product of your sanctification and allowing that peace to be so manifested so that both you and everyone you encounter can see Jesus. Listen, if you bring the Prince of Peace with you, when you encounter others, they will know peace. Flesh divides, he brings peace. Yeah, I've been in some really difficult situations where everyone's emotion was in the key of whiz, where there were things threatening, things dark. And the one thing that I've learned in those situations is that peace comes from the presence within you, not from the circumstances outside of you. And I no longer pray that God will make my circumstance peaceful. I pray to know his peace no matter what the circumstance That's different. One is looking for a temporal peace on this earth, and the other one is living in the truth that you have a peace that does not depart from you. See to it, verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of of God's grace, that no root of resentment springing up, that no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble, and by it many may be defiled. Now, the Amplified says, see to it, which is actually direct from the, the Greek. That's exactly what it says, see to it. But your translation may say, uh, looking diligently, looking. Now, looking is the Greek word, "espekopeo," which we get our word Episcopal from, right? Or bishop, overseer. And it means to look carefully, to care for, to look after. And the author is speaking to the church, and he's calling the church to look after one another. People stumble. Is that news to you? People get weak. People lose their way. People are overcome by their circumstances. It says, be watchful. Why? So that no one falls short of God's grace. Now, the Greek word for falling short is reo. And it means to fall behind. Now, remember the race metaphor. It means to fall behind or to come up short. Now, this is not about salvation, and I know it's preached that way. But in line with the context, it is not about salvation. They're in the race, so therefore, they are Christians. They're in the race, but they're falling behind. Why? Because they're not relying on the grace that God has given them through His Spirit to run in the race. That's why. Have you ever heard somebody... And I hear this in ministry, people will come up and say, you know, the Lord called me to this, or the Lord called me to that, and I, I really know that I'm called to that, but I'm just absolutely, completely exhausted, and I just have no desire to go on, and they just, they're, they're just completely drained. And you hear the analogy that when you give to others, you drain yourself, and all this kind of stuff. All of that is humanistic hogwash, okay? Don't throw your hymnals. Hear me out. The reality of it is that if it's not empowered by the Spirit of God, I wish you'd quit. If, if we ever get to the place where this is a problem, you will know right up front what my answer will be. If you come to me and say, I'm so worn out doing this and so, you'll hear what I say. If it's not empowered by the Spirit of God, quit. You know what? If God's blessing has become a curse, you need to give it up. You can't bless others until you know His blessing. So here's the thing, you have people falling behind in the race because they've defined running the race according to the flesh, and that will wear you out. I have been sidelined so many times by that very thing, and you know what I'm grateful? Because it's in that weariness, it's in that heaviness, it's in that hopeless despair that I remember, hey, what am I doing? God didn't call my flesh to this. He didn't call my flesh. He called the new creation and he, he called him and said, Son, I'm going to do a work. Why don't you come along and watch? I want you to be a part of my activity because this is who you are. I want you to grow in the truth of how I made you. That's why I'm calling you. I'm not calling you because I think you're uniquely qualified. I'm not calling you because you've got this supreme intellect. I'm not calling you because you relate well to others or because you give a lot. I am calling you because there is something I want to shape in you, uniquely in you, that this experience will have a part in. Listen, folks, that's why we're here. You have purpose right now. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, where you're going. You have purpose in the I am in this moment. This moment was designed for you to shape and mold you and take you one step further down the path, running towards the goal, the high calling, which is Jesus. And we got it pretty good because we got Jesus in us, Jesus without us, Jesus empowering us, Jesus taking us, Jesus loving us, Jesus sustaining us, and Jesus at the end is our great reward. I guess it's just about Jesus. He's saying, it's time to come alongside of them. They're running according to the flesh. We are to encourage them to run by the Spirit. Or to leave the metaphors, Christians are who are failing at life and are still trying to make it work in their own strength need to see and know a fellow believer who walks or lives by the Spirit.
1: Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.